0: welcome back to the cbj show episode 62 i'm joined by jason glick xavier maserati i'm Brian popper and it's week 18 of the nfl season and i say it's week 18 because two games happening today when we're recording this on january 6th the steelers ravens game just ended uh by the time we're uh, recording this and the Texans Colts game is about to kick off so we'll talk about that but I wanted to preface that because some of the playoff Im- implications for tomorrow will could be impacted by uh, tonight's game so by the time you're listening you could be like oh I know the score happened so uh, by the way <laughs> that that's just uh, putting it all out we are going to start with something I actually take uh, from the Felger and Mass Show, uh, it's called Ten Questions. So let's let's jump in because I know Xavier is probably dying to uh, jump in. I can I can just see the smile. So <laughs> well, before we do, actually, let's let's just kind of welcome Xavier and thank you for joining us. And uh, if you want to say any initial thoughts,
1: yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just happy to be here. Um, you know, excited to talk about the NFL. Um, you know, but thank you guys for having me on.
0: Awesome. Let's jump in. So, the first question I have because NFL awards are coming up, best head coach so far this year. Uh Jason, I'm going to start with you.
2: I think this has been proven years past,
0: but especially this year, I think Sean McVay is probably the
2: best coach in the league. You look at the roster he took. They were awful last year the LA Rams coming off their Super Bowl and the way he drafted this year, finding all these gems in the late rounds and coaching this team up that had literally nothing to prove with a really old quarterback and the way he schemes players open is incredible. I mean, we're looking at two top 10 receivers on the same offense because of Sean McVay. We're looking at an elite running back because of Sean McVay and a defense that looks really strong. I don't think anyone is better at scheming players open on offense uh, and constructing a defense of players with depth because... Honestly, I don't think I can name a single player on that Rams defense last year, other than, of course, Aaron Donald and Bobby Wagner. And now when we look at the team right now, there's so many young guys who have um really come into their own, and I just don't think anyone schemes up players for their own success better than Sean McVay. And look at the Rams now in the playoffs, which nobody expected.
1: Oh, me? Okay. Um, So I would... I mean, if we're talking about just this year only, um, honestly, I am gonna go with Kevin Stefanski, um, of the Browns, and then D'Amico Ryan's in a close second for me. But just for from my view, like Kevin Stefanski has just done such a great job because of the fact that they lost their best player very, very early in the season, and then just responding to that, and then clinching the playoffs and. With Joe Flacco and you know picking him up, just he's just done a phenomenal job this year. I mean, just taking this team to the playoffs without their best player. So I just think that's like really, really impressive. So he's my best coach this year.
0: You said very close second to Mika Ryan's. What what is like the sp- difference between the two? Like why would you go with uh what 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 is the edge got with uh, Kevin Stavansky?
1: Yeah. Um. I mean, I would just say that Kevin Stefanski has kind of built it from the ground up. Um. He didn't really have a ton of talent to work with. Um. But he really just made the best of the situation. I mean, losing Nick Chubb was huge, and it really hurt him. But you. Know, and then he lost to Sean Watson too, his starting quarterback. And then to still make the playoffs after all that. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think it's very, very impressive that D'Amico Ryan's took. You know, um, the Texans from a three win team last year to if they win tonight, a playoff team, which is just incredible. And I love CJ Stroud. I love Tank Dell. And I just think they have such a great roster, but he definitely had more like talent based. And he's an amazing coach. Don't get me wrong, but I think that he had a little bit more going from and they didn't have as much injuries before Tank Dell, of course. Um, so I just think, you know, he, that Stef- Stefanski, excuse me, has just kind of built it from the ground up. So
0: I'm just going to throw this out because I was scrolling through Instagram like I do before these podcasts and NFL and Fox and Bear, Bear Bet says, um, Kevin Stefanski minus 950. D'Amico Ryan's plus 900. So I just thought it was interesting that you thought it was much closer than what uh, Bear Betts had.
1: Yeah, I mean, everyone's gonna have their own opinion. I mean, I, it's, it's just very impressive what Stefanski's doing. I do think D'Amico Ryan should be a little bit higher, but what do I know, right? All
0: right, let's play a little hypothetical game, and I'll start with you, Xavier. You're the GM of an NFL team. You're building it up from ground zero like Kevin Stefanski did. Um, And you have the option to take the following four quarterbacks. Dak Prescott, Lamar Jackson, Brock Purdy, and Josh Allen. Which one are you taking?
1: That's tough. That's really tough because, I mean, all these quarterbacks are seen in different views as, you know, like they have different weaknesses, um, which is definitely tough. Um as much as I want to say Brock Purdy because I love what he's done with this team and I think people don't give him enough credit. I don't think he's on the level yet like with the other three. But I I'm going to go Lamar Jackson. And I think I have to go Lamar Jackson because this year he's just been so impressive on the offensive side of the ball even though he hasn't been a great passer. I mean he still is having an amazing year with not a super like star-studded offense I mean he doesn't really have any receivers Andrews has been out for the last couple weeks so I would go Lamar Jackson personally because I think that's just a guy you can build around with such a just a great elusiveness and speed um and he also is a better pass than the people give him credit for so I'm gonna take Lamar on this one
0: Jason, what about uh, I think what Lamar has do?
2: sort of came in close with the guy I have at number one this year especially because he's probably going to win an MVP and he stayed healthy the entire year Um, but at the same time when I look at consistency across the years I think Josh Allen's probably the guy I would go with here and this is not a knock on Lamar Jackson who like I said I think he's going to an MVP and he very well deserves it Uh way worse supporting cast and you look at the offense he has like with no Mark Andrews, he's relying on Isaiah Likely and and thirty year old Ola Beckham Jr. to carry the offense. Uh, and shout out say Flowers too. He's good, of course. But uh, yeah, I think Josh Allen. He has a great arm talent. Um, the best I've ever seen from a player. Like I don't think anyone else can launch a ball eighty yards standing still. Like I saw a pass in the Patriots game launched it from inside his own five to like the Patriots thirty for an incompletion. Um. I think his receivers have actually been pretty consistent this year, and he's really the only one that's keeping this team together. He has, I think, close to, like, 15 rushing touchdowns this year. He's definitely close to that. Um, And, yes, he turns the ball over a lot, but I think when I look at what he can sustain for this team, I don't think any of these other three quarterbacks can do that. Uh, He's the same age as Lamar Jackson. Well, Lamar Jackson will be turning 27 tomorrow, but Allen is 27, and he hasn't ever had a major injury, and Lamar is – gotten sidelined twice at the end of seasons. Uh and I think when I look at someone who can stay in the game, be here for the next 10 years or whatever. Um, and if I'm if I'm the GM, like uh and I want to have a player who's gonna be on my team for as long as possible and give me the best output and stay on the field, I think Josh Allen does that. And he's proven it as he's made the AFC championship uh before and he's also been an incredible playoff quarterback.
0: I like both answers. Obviously, I think short-term, I like Lamar. Long-term, I think Brock Purdy or Josh Allen would be my guess. <laughs> so, this question is kind of a bit complicated because obviously tomorrow's games could just wipe this away. A team in the NFC South could have a winning record. If, for some reason, because both the Bucks and the Saints um, are playing the Panthers and the Falcons... And there's actually still a three-way tie for teams who could win the division. You could. I just realized, actually, you wouldn't have a case where you would have a team with a losing record. But let's say you did because uh, the Saints won. Or the Saints, sorry. If...
2: Well, if Atlanta wins, actually the the Falcons if the Falcons win and the Buccaneers lose, the Falcons will be winning that division with a losing record.
0: Oh yeah, because they're eight and they, seven. They're nine. seven and
2: nine. If they win one more game, eight and nine.
0: Yeah, so you'll have a Okay, I was yeah. right when I, before when I thought of this, it was I forgot about the Falcons, but you could still have a team with a losing record. Do they deserve home playoff win over a team like an eleven win? Uh, Dallas Cowboys or Philadelphia Eagles uh, Jason or Xavier which one, <laughs> one of you...
2: uh, okay Um, I-, I would actually say yes because you should have the bragging rights to have that home game you want a division against three teams you absolutely hate and no matter who you're gonna be playing against you have that pride of representing your division in a home playoff game And while, yes, a team in the wild card is probably going to be significantly better and have like three, four more wins than you at that five seed spot, uh, but they can put together some good games. We saw uh, the Washington football team at the time give the Super Bowl winning Tampa Bay Buccaneers around for their money. uh, I think like a seven, nine and one record, something pretty bad like that. And the Bucs obviously won the Super Bowl, but that was probably their hardest opponent that they played the entire playoffs, the Washington football team. And I'm not saying that any teams in the NFC South could beat the Eagles or the Cowboys, even if it's at home, because I think they would get blown out no matter what happens, Um, all three of them. But I, I still think that you battled it out with three teams you absolutely hate. Teams are replaced a division for a reason. They agreed to these rules before the season, obviously. So, you know, why change it? I think they got to go by it. And I assume with the Eagles or Cowboys is going to have to go on the road and play a playoff game because that's just... That's just how it rolls, and you should the the team that does not win the the NFC East, um, that's kind of like their punishment and um not having that home field advantage, and it's gonna affect them a lot down the line, even if they win this playoff game, because they certainly will not be having another home playoff game the rest of the playoffs unless there's some crazy upsets.
1: Yeah, um, I I mean I agree with you. I think it's tough because. It's debatably the worst division in football I think it is. um you can make an argument for other divisions, but I think it's the worst division in football um but I still think that you're still winning the division um, and you' gotta be consistent, like you know if they were all bad teams, then it would be tough to win the division because bad teams are inconsistent, you know. But I think, you know, you're still winning the division either way. So I think um, I think they should deserve the four spot in home field advantage. It's tough because it's definitely no doubt that a team like the Eagles or Cowboys um, would be considered better than them. Um, But I, like, you know, like Jason said, I think you never count a team out in the playoffs. I mean, everyone always comes to play in the playoffs. There's so much on the line. And I mean, just, you, you know, you can never count everyone out.
0: I feel like a team that goes seven and nine or even eight and nine, they don't deserve a playoff home game, especially the NFC South. That's like it's just so such a bad uh, division. None of those teams deserve it. A team like the Cowboys or the Eagles, it seems like one of those teams deserves it better than an NFC South team this year. But on the other hand, it would make things a lot complicated deciding. How would a, a non-division leader uh, get to host the game? So I think the NFL would uh, kind of take the easy route and say, you know what, we'll, we'll, we'll be fine with a losing record team hosting a game than all that complicated mess. So since we're all from uh, New England, I thought I'd throw this question in, which is the Patriots game tomorrow against the Jets in the snow. It's going to stink. It's going to be awful. Um, there's actually a lot on the line, even though the game could be bad. Um, I don't think I need to state all the obvious reasons, but um, Xavier, I'll, I'll ask for you do you want the Patriots
1: to win or do you want them to lose? Oh, I, I 100% want them to lose this game. I mean, look, don't get me wrong, I'm excited for the snow game. You know, I don't think it's gonna be a very high powered offense game for sure. Um, but I undoubtedly want the Patriots to lose this game because there's still a situation which the Patriots get the number two pick um and personally I just I'm just thinking about the future of this team right now I mean winning this game does absolutely nothing for the team it just makes your draft capital and your draft pick worse so I don't know why you would want to win the game I hope we lose tomorrow so we can maybe get the number two pick and, you know, maybe get, like, a Caleb Williams.
2: I'm actually going a different route here. I would actually love to win this game because it's the Jets. I, I absolutely hate the Jets. I want to beat the Jets no matter what the stakes are. Obviously, a draft pick is at, on kind of on the line here. Um, But let's say the Commanders win and also the Cardinals win. Nothing changes. Or specifically, if the Commanders lose, the Patriots or if the Cardinals lose the Patriots are honestly going to be um where they were if not in a better spot and why do we why would we want to lose against the Jets this is an 8 year streak of never losing to the Jets and i honestly would rather see the Jets um the, the Jets fans cry rather than Patriots fans get a better draft pick even as a Patriots fan because i just hate the Jets that much and i will never root for another team except for the Patriots
0: so i'm going to totally agree with Jason i don't really care about the draft pick. Um, no matter if it's Bill Belichick, the head coach next year, or someone else, we're most likely going to end up with a stupid tackle that's going to get injured anyway. So it really doesn't matter if you, <clears throat> you have the second or the seventh pick. Um, On a different note, like Jason, there were many times this year that I kept rooting for the Jets to win so they could get a higher draft pick. Um, Yeah, I can't do it again this week, so I'm going Patriots all the way. <laughs> so switching gears, um the Pro Bowl. Pro Bowl list came out. Um, I want to know your thoughts on the list of who who made it, um, if you think anyone got snubbed, um, and actually, do you really care about the Pro Bowl games anymore? Jason, I'll start a few.
2: Well, I personally do not care about the Pro Bowl games anymore because I've Comes to realization, rather than just like getting really mad about how many snubs they have every year and why people make a big deal of it, I'm joining the other side here, and I I just think that they're completely useless because it's become a popularity vote. No players who play well and have under the radar seasons who have been literally the best at their position. kof cough, cough, Antoine Woodfield Jr. for the Buccaneers. It's it's like it's ridiculous how this is a popularity con- contest. And we're sending guys to the pro bowl who have done literally nothing this year. Like, I don't know how in the year 2024, Bobby Wagner's in the pro bowl. Like I I, I don't get it. I don't think Patrick Mahomes even deserved it this year. I think they're like CJ Stroud probably could have gotten in. He's had a more impressive season and even Josh Allen, you can make the argument for, and I don't know. I just, I, I kind of come to the conclusion that there's no point in me getting mad over some certain snubs and, They've even eliminated the actual Pro Bowl game itself but with the flag football game, which eliminates a big part of why I would even tune in on the weekend between the Super Bowl and the Conference Championship weekend because I I know for a fact I will not be watching the Pro Bowl. The only thing that I might really care about is the skills competition during the week, which is pretty cool. Um, that's something I like that they kept. But you know, with the flag football game, it's, it's not an entertaining game and there's no stats to follow. It, it, it's not enjoyable as a fan.
1: Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you here. I totally think, like, the skills competition and all, like, the, you know, like, passing stuff and the relay race and, like, dodgeball, I I love that stuff. Um, I think it's just, like, a fun way and you get to see, like, all the NFL player personality as well, which is, like, something just kind of cool that you don't get usually in your regular NFL Sunday. Um, But I, I don't like the flag football idea. I mean, it's just... I I don't even think I watched it last year. It's just so, like, it's just so slow, and I just, it doesn't really, like, even the Pro Bowls before they made it, um Black Football, just, like, nobody was trying, so it's not, like, an entertaining game to watch. So they just need to find a better way um to make that more entertaining. And then, you know, for snubs-wise, I would say, at least for me, the two biggest snubs that, you know, I noticed when they weren't there, and and Josh Allen. Um, he had a really good season as well. Um, But the two major ones for me were Amarno St. Brown and LeJarrius Sneed. You know, I thought they, especially LeJarrius Sneed, had, like, I think it was zero touchdowns allowed. Like, I saw, I forget what the exact, like, stat was, but he had a really good year on defense. And I think it was kind of undermined because he didn't get as my picks or, you know, like the, all that stuff. But I think just coverage wise, he had a really, really good year. Um, so I think that was a big one for me. And then i St. Brown just had a really good year. Um, and is kind of just like one of the leaders of the lions and the lions in generals have such a good year. Um, so that was one for me. Yeah.
0: I kind of, I agree with both of you. You hit the nail on the head. Um, I, I do like your comment, Jason, about popular, popularity, popularity contests, but, um, if it really was, why, why wasn't Taylor Swift invited? He <laughs> probably was honestly. All uh, right. well, you gotta have some humor while you're, while you're podcasting, uh, zoom isn't the best, uh, because whenever you feel like you talk over someone, it's just mutes the other person. So <laughs> that's the only problem, but you gotta do have some humor, um, this was controversial. I know you guys probably want to dive into it. Talk us through what happened at the end of the Cowboys-Lions game.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll go first on this one. Yeah, I got you. I'll go first. Um, So, I mean, my initial thoughts when I kind of watched that, um, I was confused because, you know, I thought at first it was on the players and then everyone was saying it was the rest fault. Um, which I totally get, you know, it is definitely a really tough call to make in that situation. And there was stuff circulating, excuse me, circulating around, like, you know, that Dan Campbell had been, uh, had told the ref about this before the game and all that. Um, but here's what I think, right? I think the ref, maybe the ref made a mistake, but I think it's also sort of on Decker, I mean, people aren't saying that and I very unpopular opinion saying this, but I think it's also on Decker because I watched a clip the other day where this guy was explaining that the ref saw number 70 check in, totally forget who that was, um, but 70 was going eligible all game. And then when Decker did, he didn't really get confirmation from the ref um, from what I heard of. Um, so I think it's also kind of on Decker to just have that accountability and be responsible for that it's your job to make sure that the ref knows you're eligible. And it's not the ref's job to like go out and find you and double check. like you have to make it clear that you're eligible. um, and as of my knowledge, he did not make that clear. Um, so I think that's part of the reason why that call was made, and I just think like. He's got to be accountable. So that's that's what I think.
2: Uh, I was actually very happy that the Lions lost that game um, because I think Dan Campbell got way too cocky going for two uh, with those stakes. And, you know, obviously the Lions are such a likable team, but it was really at that moment where I realized that, you know, I was really happy that the Lions would fail on that two point conversion just because they have the balls to go for that. I mean, I, I can't even believe why you would even take that risk against a team like the Dallas Cowboys. And sure, the refs screwed them over, and I completely think I I think that refs are completely held accountable for this because, like we have mentioned before, they uh Dan Campbell described this whole play before the game about reporting eligible, and there was it was clear that um that Taylor Decker was reporting eligible and not. Uh, Dan Skipper and they clearly went to the referee right before the play happened. And I, I think that's ridiculous. However, at the same time, they had three chances to do this, th- to go for three chances to score. And they got none of them basically because of penalties, obviously. And the fact that they even went for it at the seven yard line was, I, I couldn't even believe that because they got pushed back five yards um, for that. And I, I could, could not fathom why you would go for a two point conversion on the seven yard line. And luckily, the Cowboys get a penalty that gets them back in, and they fail. And we also cannot act like the, the refs messed up a lot of other calls earlier in the game. Two minutes before, they missed a clear uh, tripping call when Aiden Hutchinson clearly kept the, uh, tripped the ball carrier, and nobody's been talking about that. There's The refs missed so many plays on both sides, and I think at the end of the day, um, it really, if like it kind of neutralized itself out. And at the end of the day, um, Dan Campbell being so gutsy is the reason why the score was the score.
0: I think that's perfect. I mean, yeah, you can fault the ref, you can fault the players. I think there's tons of people that you could point fingers at. There was a lot of mistakes. I also think the play was so confusing that it basically not only confused the Cowboys, it also confused the ref. And at the end of the day, the ref makes the call. He reported the wrong guy is eligible. There's a lot of speculation. Who's right? Who's wrong? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, he also missed a few calls. He's also screwed up twice this season. Okay, there's a lot that was on the line. But at the end of the day, by the time Dan Campbell went for two on the third try, he should have just kicked the field goal and played over time. It just showed to me that he didn't have any trust in his defense, which could be a big flaw come playoff time. So we'll see what happens with that. Let's talk about uh, surprises let's start on a positive or let's start negative and then we'll end positive which team and i'll start with you xavier surprised you in a bad way this
1: season i would have to say the bills i mean i feel like this year they were just like in the beginning of the season you know everyone thought they were gonna be so good um Oh, oh, I just thought of another one. I'm, I'm going to throw out another I, one. I will just preface by
0: saying Jason actually, I think I remember correctly, he predicted at the beginning of the season saying, the Bills have a tough schedule. I'm not sure they're winning the division because of the schedule. So say all you want about the Bills. I just think their tough schedule really was the reason. And and guess what? Heading into tomorrow, they actually still have a chance for the uh, division crown.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, they've definitely recovered as of lately. Um, but just from my view, they have to win more close games because they're a very competitive football team. And I think they're a very good football team. Um, but they just got to win more close games. And that's what it comes down to for me. And then I just thought of this. My other big surprise this year has got to be the Bengals. I mean, they just started out so terrible in the beginning of season with such a great team. I mean, Joe Burrow is a really good player. Jamar is a really good player. And then, I mean, definitely, as of recently, the loss of Joe Burrow hurts them. But I just think it was very, very underwhelming and just terrible how they started the season. I mean, they went like two and five or something, I think. Something along the lines of that. Um, So that one, that one I'll put over the Bills. I would say that one's my biggest surprise.
2: I'm going to stay in the AFC here, uh, this is a team that did very well last year, made the playoffs, and every single weakness that they had was just revealed it to them. That was the LA Chargers. I, I was shocked to see the season that they had. And obviously, they did lose Herbert three weeks ago, but they were 5-8 and eight with him. And I look at the run game, which was really bad this year. I've never seen Austin Eckler look so slow. His game speed is just not there anymore. 3.7 yards per carry, I was shocked to see that. And their defense, they add all these players every year and say, oh, the Chargers are one defensive player away from being this elite team, and they still managed to have one of the worst defenses in the league, and um, thank God they fired their coach, Brandon Staley, because if, if he was still here past that Raiders game, I don't know what what it would take for them to get rid of him. Um, but, you know, I said really ex- high expectations for the Chargers. They seem like a young up-and-coming team, with obviously an elite quarterback and they've failed them. They've ruined him. And I just I think they need a fresh start. And not necessarily with Herbert, but uh, they've clearly shown that they need to go other ways with a lot of other positions because they're not getting anywhere.
0: I'm gonna just continue that with another team in the AFC, which is the Titans. Going in, I thought they were gonna be a powerhouse team in the AFC South competing. And as we saw, it it was very competitive this year. They ended their either going to end 5-12 and 12 or 6-11. and 11. Not really great. Uh, eliminated a few weeks ago, and now you've got nothing to play for, which stinks as a Titans fan. And you've got Mike Vrabel, who isn't... It's not like you had the Chargers and Brandon Stanley who could just screw everything up. You had a decent coach or good coach in Mike Vrabel. So I felt like that was a very disappointing season. Yes, you have Derrick Henry, but really, other than that... Did anyone else uh, exceed expectations? I mean, you had D-Hop, but how helpful was he? Like, it it goes back. Ryan Tannehill keeps going. There's a lot of positions you could fit. You need to fix on that team. And I actually think Mike Vrabel leaving could actually open the door for new possibilities. I will say I'm a little biased on that because I would love for him to come to New England and and replace Bill if he leaves, but. Still, I don't think Mike Vrabel, I think he needs change. I think he needs out of Tennessee. So that being said, let's move over to the positive side. And I'll start with you, Jason. Which team surprised you in a good way?
2: This was a team that I'm actually looking back at my preseason power rankings. I had them second to last. And it looked like they're going to make the playoffs right now, the Indianapolis Colts. I did not see this coming at all. Like, with the second Anthony Richardson went down, I thought their season was over, even if it did exist at the time, because I thought they'd probably win like three, four games and just have a repeat of last year. Um, But they've really turned it around. I'm not really sure who's been great for them. That's like stood out. I know Zaire Franklin's having a fantastic year um, on defense. I believe he's still leading the league in tackles as he was a few weeks ago. Michael Pittman's really stepped up this year. I've I've liked what I've seen from him, much more efficient. And they've shown that their run game is sustainable with Jonathan Taylor on and off the field, and also the fact that Gardner Minshew can really play. I think he he showed enough this year, um, that he's gonna get a good contract wherever he goes next year because Anthony Richardson is gonna be starting there next year. But I think Minshew's earned himself a starting job for wherever he goes. And I think a lot of, the biggest thing I think for them was Shane Steichen, um, coming over from the Eagles as their offensive coordinator and becoming their head coach. And I was not really high on that, but it's clear to see that. What he did last year with Philly was he was able to translate that here over in India. And I just imagine imagine if they had Anthony Richardson and his athletic tools and what he did with Jalen Hurts in Philly. I feel like he could re- remodel Anthony Richardson's game into something like Jalen Hurts's. And I'm I'm really excited to see the Colts future. Um, and I just was not expecting them to be in the playoff run at this point and let alone probably make the playoffs.
1: Yeah, for me, um, I would say, I mean, I mentioned them earlier, but I mean, I gotta go with the Texans, right? I mean, I think they're better than the record says. Um, I mean, going from three wins last year, and then with basically just draft picks, I mean, and the addition of Devin Singletary in the off season, um, they are in a really good spot to make the playoffs. I mean, so that was my biggest surprise. I mean, and I I think CJ Stroud is, I think he's going to be really, really good in this league. I mean, we've got a taste of him already. I think he looks great this year. I mean, there was a point in this year when he was up for MVP. He was in the MVP conversation. So I think he is going to be a great quarterback. Um, I'm just excited to maybe see his Texans team make a deep run in the playoffs.
0: All right, we're going to move on to quickly talking about the NFL playoffs picture week 18 has some predictions and then we're going to kind of transition and wrap up with talking about college football 2024 NFL draft. So we know one of the big storylines comes down to game 272, which is Buffalo, Miami a lot, lot on the line for Buffalo. Miami's already clinched a playoff spot, so worst case, they drop down to the sixth seed. But Buffalo could be eliminated with a loss. And I will say this is, depending on what happens tonight in the Texans-Colts game, could just be winning Buffalo's and lose in and losing their out. So that being said, what does Buffalo need to do, especially on this banged-up Miami team, to get the victory in South Beach? Uh, Jason, let's start with you.
2: I think they need to do what they've done for the second half of the season, and that's run the ball. That's where they've been really good this year. They haven't relied on the pass game a lot, and it's because it's been one of their downfalls this year. I don't think Stephon Diggs has looked like himself. Gabe Davis is probably the most inconsistent receiver ever because one week he'll go for 250 yards and three touchdowns. The other week he'll have five targets and not catch any of them. And I think their run game's been so strong with – both James Cook and Josh Allen both combined for close to two thousand rushing yards, and like in a, a ton of touchdowns, as we know, at least from Josh Allen on the goal line, and we've seen how explosive they are when they pound the rock, and how their turnovers are limited with that. So I think Miami their run defense is going to be a little bit worse um this week because they've lost. Two great pass rushers this year, Jalen Phillips um, on the Black Friday game, and we just found out Bradley Chubb is going to be out for the season with, a, I believe, a, I think it's a torn ACL, and um they don't have many good run stoppers outside of maybe Christian Wilkins, and I think that if Buffalo just runs the ball, manages the clock, I don't think they're ever going to have to rely on the pass game to win them this game, because you obviously are not going to be wanting to target Jalen Ramsey at all in this game, because he's going to be all over Stephon Diggs, and I think that Miami, um, that, that's sort of going to be where they're going to struggle is stopping the run, and that's what Buffalo's love loved to do these past four games that they've won. So I think that if Buffalo runs the ball, they're going to win this game.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think if they just play like they have the last couple weeks, I don't think they're going to lose this game. I mean, Buffalo, I know Buffalo will come to play and I think this will be a very close game nonetheless, um, you know, even with all the Dolphins injuries. Um, but Buffalo's going to come to play. They always do. Um, even in the playoffs, we see them come to play. Um, they've lost a ton of close games, but I think they're going to win this game. Um, I think they just got to keep the same ba- game plan with getting James Cook involved, you know. And, you know, like Jason said, it's definitely a tough matchup for Steph- Stephon Diggs. But I think if they want to win this game, they are going to have to get him the ball some way because he is one of their biggest playmakers on offense. And if you put the ball in his hands, good things will happen. So I think they do have to get the ball in his hands, which they haven't done a lot the previous weeks. But in such a big game, I think you just got to give it to your playmakers. And yeah.
0: We'll see who wins. I will clarify, depending on what happens in the early window tomorrow and tonight's game, Pittsburgh could or could not make the playoffs. They need at least one of the following things to happen, a Jacksonville loss or tie to Tennessee, a Buffalo loss to Miami, and the Indy-Houston game to end in a tie. Ties, I feel like, are a lot more rare now, um, so I think – they're going to look for either Jacksonville or Buffalo to lose and makes basically game 272 have so much more emphasis of winning, winner go home. So that is going to be exciting. You can watch that on NBC, if I'm not mistaken. The NFC South is a dog uh, fight. Terrible teams. Uh, None of them have a winning record, (laughs) and three teams out of four can still win the division crown. Atlanta, Tampa Bay, and New Orleans. Who makes it out and actually gets the home field uh, advantage in the first round?
2: I'll go first. Uh, I'll say the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I don't think it's going to be too hard. They're playing against the worst team in the NFL with nothing to win and nothing to lose because they don't even have a first-round pick this year. So it's going to be funny, though, seeing the Panthers out here with playing with no purpose because they've already locked up the one seed for the Chicago Bears. And maybe they play spoiler and ruin the Bucs. But I, I just think that the Bucs are a team that uh, they're not going to mess around in this game. I think they've shown a lot of promise all year, defense and offense, like I've said Earlier, Antoine Winfield, best safety in football, and Baker has been cooking. Well, this year, based solely this year, I think there's like Derwin and Minka Fitzpatrick. Overall, would be better, but um, yeah, I think Baker is not. The wheels are not going to fall off on Baker. He's been cooking all season, and Mike Evans has been arguably one of the best receivers in the game. Pro Bowl for him, and uh, I think their defense is really coming together at the right time. Last week was a tough loss at home to New Orleans, which I did not really see coming. I mean, to be fair, the Bucs, the Saints are kind of the Bucs kryptonite. So maybe we did see it coming. But yeah, I, I think the Bucs, their test is simple, beat the worst team in the NFL. And if they can't do that, they most certainly do not deserve to make the playoffs. And they actually probably still could make it if the Saints, or actually no, they, they could not make it. But um, they, then just the winner of the Saints-Falcons game would get in.
1: Yeah, Um. I totally agree. I think the Bucks are gonna get this playoff spot. I mean, I've just really liked how the Bucks have been playing as of recently. Um, and I think they have a really good shot at this. I think people don't give them enough credit for the good team that they are. Um, I think they're a very solid team and a very well rounded team. Um, so I think they'll take get this dub. I think it will be I don't think it'll be a total blowout because I think the Panthers will definitely try to Keep them out of the playoffs because they do have nothing to play for. So I think they need that. They need like they want to try to spoil their playoff run to play for that. Um. So I think it's gonna be a little closer than people think. But I think the Bucks should win this one nonetheless, and I think the Bucks will get that four seed. I think a lot has to go their way, but I think there's still a possibility
0: the Bucks couldn't be the seven seed if they lose to Carolina. But like you mentioned, Jason. If they can't beat the worst team in football that has nothing to play for, why do they have any shot at ch- uh, or a chance to even make the playoffs? Um, that will be interesting. They'll also open the door for other teams: uh, Seattle, Green Bay, um, maybe even Minnesota at seven and nine. Or if they win, they'd be eight and nine uh, to to be the seventh seed. So you, you mentioned the one seed. Carolina doesn't have it. It goes to Chicago which makes things actually a little bit more interesting and to talk about because now Chicago's got a decision. You've got the number one pick in a heavy uh, quarterback draft, and you've also got Justin Fields, who over the past second half of the season has kind of been on the rise. What are you doing if you're Chicago? you keeping Fields and either trading that first-round pick or going with a wide receiver or tackle? Or are you saying... Forget about Fields, and we're going to draft a quarterback. Jason, what do you think?
2: I think it's simple. Keep Justin Fields. You have a foundation with them, and he is phenomenal when he is on. And I think we've seen the last few weeks. He's been on his game. And, you know, quarterbacks, good quarterbacks like Justin Fields are very rare. It leads me to think that there's not many big hits in this class. I mean, sure, you can't really miss with Caleb Williams if you were to take him at number one. But I feel like Justin Fields has already shown that he's the franchise correct for the Chicago Bears. And I don't think people realize what the Bears can do with this first round pick, because if they realize, you know, there's not really a non-quarterback player that we take at number one and we think we could get them later. They could get another huge haul um, to keep with all these draft picks that they have. They traded out of number one last year and look what they got. They got DJ Moore. They were able to trade down and get Dorno, right? Who has been a fantastic rookie tackle for them. And they got even more draft picks that turned his number one and. If this cycle continues of just grabbing other teams' draft picks who suck, they could have another team that is really quarterback needy trade up to number one and get an even bigger haul. And they could go get go out and get a guy like Marvin Harrison Jr. or get an offensive lineman like Olu Fushano or Joel in the draft and open up some cap space and look where they are. They're in one of the best situations of any team because not only do they have young talent and young receivers for a great young quarterback in Justin Fields, but they also have years and years and years of 1st round picks, and that's what's going to separate the Chicago Bears is if they go this route of keeping Justin Fields and what I would assume would be trading down from number one because maybe the only player I would take at number one that doesn't play quarterback is Marvin Harrison Jr., and I still think they could get him a bit later with how hungry some teams are for quarterbacks. So at the end of the day, I think Justin Fields is the answer, and they should try, try to build around him because they can do a lot with him.
1: Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. I think they should stay with Justin Fields. I mean, he's played really well as of late. And then in terms of what they're going to do with this first round pick, personally, I think it's either you trade him and then you maybe get an offensive tackle. But I think if you want a guy like Marvin Harrison Jr., you're just going to have to take him at number one. And I think he is talented to be a number one pick. So I think if you want him, you're going to have to take him at the one or trade with a team that maybe has, you know, not, you know, the nine like the Bears do. I think they have the nine right now. Um, I could be off on that. But so I think if you want Marvin Harrison Jr., you can trade that pick. But I still think it has to be relatively high. I mean, personally, I don't think he's going to fall to the nine because teams like the Cardinals, who probably aren't going to take a quarterback, could take him. And I mean, there's Definitely a very QB heavy draft, Um, but I don't think you'll fall to their second pick. So I think you either trade to a team, you know, in the top five or you just you take Marv right there. So
0: we know another team that could be in the top 10, which is the Patriots. What? I mean, obviously, you've got Caleb Williams. You've got Drake May. Jane Daniels is making a name for himself. You got Marvin Harrison. What are you doing? To, I mean, obviously it depends if you got the two or the seven. we can play both scenarios out, and I'll start with Xavier on this one. But what what I guess is like you're hoping for, but also what do you think they really need in that first round pick?
1: Yeah. Um so I'll start with the two personally. Um if the Patriots get the number two pick, I think I think you go quarterback. I mean, with such great talent on this board, and especially if the Bears keep that pick at number one, I mean, you have Caleb Williams on the board. I mean, people are definitely starting to question him. Um, a little bit more this year because he didn't have his great year, you know. Partly he you know, he lost Jordan Assen last year. Um, but I still think he's a very talented quarterback. You know, I think him and Jane Daniels are I mean really the top 3 quarterbacks in my opinion could are really interchangeable at this point especially with the rising doubts about Caleb Williams um I mean ultimately I think I think Jayden Daniels is going to be really good as well so I think you're safe with either of those um and at the 7 if we're talking 7 I still think you go quarterback because I think this team needs a quarterback first of all If you get a quarterback, you know, you have a ton of cap space. You can build around your quarterback. You need somebody that can lead this offense, first of all. And then you can start getting, you know, wide wide receiver and O-line. But there are a lot of holes, but I think the biggest one to fill, especially in such a great quarterback draft, has to be quarterback. Um, But, I mean, quarterbacks that I would love to see in New England are probably – my top two are probably Caleb Williams and Jayden and Daniels, but my kind of dark, dark horse pick, which no one is going to agree with me on, which is okay. But I think you could take him at the two or seven. I'm gonna throw out Michael Penix Jr. All right. I'm I might be a little biased. I'm a UW guy, but University of Washington guy, I should say. Um, but I think he's great. I mean, he is a phenomenal passer. He looked. I mean, he looked great against Texas. He was making throws that I haven't seen college players make those throws in a while. Um, I mean, he looked really good. He looked really, really good. I know people are very concerned about his injury past, um, but I, I think he could maybe even jump above Drake May. That's, that might be a stretch. But I think he could definitely be one of the top quarterbacks in this draft, and he's just he's just such a talented player.
2: Okay, so at the number two spot, I absolutely agree. You're sprinting to the podium to take Caleb Williams. And if no one else, if someone took Caleb Williams, number one, you're still going quarterback, whether that be Drake, May, Jayden Daniels, Michael Penix, maybe, as Xavier says. Um, But yeah, and then if you're at number seven, I think the mindset shifts a little bit because I'm not criticizing what the Patriots did in last year's draft because they've got some really good talent. But their first three picks in the one, Rounds 1, 2, and 3 were all defensive players, and that is the exact reason why their defense looked like it did this year and what their offense looked like it did this year. The defense needed no work because it was already incredible, and look at them. They added Christian Gonzalez, Keon White, and Marte Mapu, who are going to be there for a very long time, all three of them. Phenomenal, especially, especially Gonzalez, who I think is already a very elite corner from the few weeks that he played in. But now I think you have to take the opposite route because – The offense needed work, and that didn't work. You go offense, 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 offense. And at number seven, I think uh, there's not going to be many quarterbacks available because of how hungry teams are going to be for quarterbacks because I don't think that Caleb Williams, Drake May, or Jaden Daniels will make it to seven. Or maybe Jaden Daniels makes it there, but I don't see Williams or May. I would love Jaden Daniels personally, but at the same time, I would not be opposed to the Patriots drafting a wide receiver um, they could go with um, a, a lot of players like Malik Neighbors I like a, a ton. Um, Adunze I like too. Um, uh, Emeka Abuka, he might declare, we'll see on, on him. Um, I, I think you just have to prioritize the offense. The position that matters the most is quarterback. But, you know, we've seen the Patriots quarterbacks this year have their occasional good throws, and every time that happens, their receivers clearly are, are incapable of catching a simple pass. And we look at how wide receivers can really change a franchise with the Bengals going with Jamar Chase and going to the Super Bowl the year after. That changed a lot of things for them. And we look at a lot of other teams gaining receivers, like the Eagles getting AJ Brown. Look what that took them to from a wildcard team to a Super Bowl team. And teams are going to co- co- continue to acquire great wide receiver talent because they see how much of a difference maker it is and how it's arguably the most viable position behind the quarterback of any team. Um, the a wide receiver one having that is such a valuable asset. So if I'm at seven, and I see one of those receivers on the board, I'm considering it. But if Jaden Daniels is also there, I'm just gonna probably take Jaden Daniels because of how slim of great quarterbacks that the the amount of great quarterbacks in this league is so low. Like I think we're at the point where half of the starting quarterbacks from week one are not starting this week. Maybe even more than half. So I, I obviously some of them need to rest, but still, it shows how thin the league is at quarterback. So Jaden Daniels, he's what probably there's there's no other player like Jaden Daniels that like we see in college football. So I'd probably go with him at that at that spot.
0: I like it. There's tons of options, and depending on what happens tomorrow, I know Xavier and Jason had differing opinions on on uh the prediction of what should happen um could be the difference of the two seed the seven seed uh getting the quarterback you really want versus just getting a quarterback so um yeah we'll see how that turns out uh college football is wrapping up on monday at the championship uh and i thought uh why just uh we'll end off with a little prediction uh if we want to do team and then a little score prediction i'll start with jason what do you got
2: okay so um there's one team that I obviously want to win one team that nobody in the world wants to see win unless you're from one specific state and savers so getting nervous here but yes of course i do want the washington to win this game um i have i do not want michigan to win they are obviously cheaters as we know and um, the Michael Panic story is crazy. And I don't know why people want J.J. McCarthy to have this Joe Burrow story or whatever that is. And, yeah, but we're going to see a lefty win a national championship for the Washington Huskies here. Um, and I think that it's going to be a very close game. Um, and you want a score prediction, I'm going to go with 41-35. I think it's going to be pretty close, high scoring. These national championships go pretty high at times. We saw Georgia go pretty crazy last year against TCU. And I think we're gonna get a big shootout. I don't think, I think um, I think Michigan definitely has a better defense than Washington and is capable of holding them to less points. But when I look at how explosive Washington's offense is, I think they're gonna really make Michigan struggle. But with how good Michigan is on offense, with Blake Corum running the show there, they're gonna put up a lot of points too. And I think it's probably gonna come down to the team that has the ball on the last drive. Um, and I think that um, Washington will be able to. Um, we'll be able to win this game, and Michigan falls just short on their final drive with maybe like ten seconds left or whatever. So I'm running with Washington here. I really hope they win, and I'm sure the uh, the rest of the forty nine other states other than Michigan um, would agree with me.
1: Yeah, you know, I think it's gonna be a great game. I mean, Michigan, you know, is a very very good team. You know, they've had a great year. But they will be no match for my Washington Huskies. I I mean, I want and I think the Washington Huskies have a very, very, very good chance to win this game. I mean, just all year, they've shown how explosive their offense have been um, with Romo Dunze, you know, Michael Penix. We'll see about Dylan Johnson. I'm not sure yet if he's going to play because he did get hurt um, in the final seconds of the Texas game. Um, that would definitely hurt them, but I still think they have the passing attack to win this game, even if they don't have Dylan Johnson. Um, and I really hope they win this game. I mean, I've been a UW fan for a while. Um, and I would just I think it's gonna be a really good game. Um for score prediction, I do agree with Jason that I think it's gonna be a high scoring game because I think Washington definitely has the better offense. Um, and Michigan definitely has the better defense, but I think Washington is going to be definitely a lot to handle on defense because of Michael Penix. I mean, we saw what kind of throws he was making last week. And if he makes those throws again, I think they're going to be able to put up 35 or maybe even 40 points again. So, uh, let's just throw a number. Um... For a score prediction, I'm gonna go with let's go 38, 29, 31, 38, 31. Final score: Washington on top. Um, you know my boy Michael Penix leading the charge. So you know I'll be rooting for the Huskies. So let's hope they win.
0: We won't keep you accountable if if it's uh, totally opposite scoring and it's totally low scoring. But if if you do somehow predict it right, well, we'll we'll, we'll make sure to, to shout you out on on our on our uh, social media page, which is a good plug if you haven't already. Um, you should follow us on Instagram, which is CBJ.sports. and then I'm taking over the cbj Twitter. It's just actually mine. It's brandonhopper 23. I think is my Candle. um it used to be the cbj uh account i just now take it over um you can check out some of our holiday hot takes that we had um and we uh post updates about sports scores and guests that will come um on future episodes so that's gonna do it i'm gonna end it with uh my prediction just a uh, team prediction i think uh i'm gonna root for the I want the Huskies to win. Uh, I can't stand Michigan fans. Uh, a lot of them are big, big Michigan fans. And uh, sometimes you just want to root against. At the end of the day, I, I, I just hope for a great game. The semifinals, both games were amazing. Coming down to the wire, I would love for, for the finals to happen. No matter which team wins, just, just make it exciting. So that's going to do it. Xavier, Jason, any last words? Go Huskies. <laughs> we'll end it on that. Thank you for listening to the CBJ show episode 62. We'll be back soon.